We are celebrating episode 100, and we're going to be talking with Spreaker CEO about compelling improvements coming in 2017, and what is the hardest thing to teach about podcasting is going to be discussed. Listener comments coming right up. Well, welcome to the Spreaker Live Show, episode 100, and we're celebrating that today. This is February 1st, 2017, and it's going to be a fun episode this week. We're going to have a perfect uh, guest on the show, but before we get into that, my name is Rob Greenlee, and I'm the head of content at Spreaker, and thanks for downloading us and just clicking play to hear us today. Thank you so much for, for joining us. This week, uh, we're going to have the Spreaker CEO join us again to discuss the direction of Spreaker, and specifically, we're going to discuss how podcast advertising revenue sharing program um, on the platform is set to improve in 2017, and we're also going to discuss the improvements to Spreaker's CMS platform and backend and what's coming. So I'm going to play a little clip from the conversation with the Spreaker CEO to kind of give you an idea of what's coming up. At the end of the day, uh, advertisers are interested in um in the listener demographic, in a specific uh, prospect to buy their own product or service, uh, they ideally they would like to buy this, not a specific show, uh, not a generic audience, right? I think there is a lot of value in the audience that small shows have because potentially people listening to all these small shows are not the same people listening to the big shows. And advertiser would be very interested in getting these, uh, these people. Today, uh, it's technically basically uh, not possible to really buy into uh, an audience demographic. But as time goes by, this will be more and more likely to happen. And then uh, the basic laws of supply and demand will drive the CPMs higher because, I mean, a lot of advertisers will, will fight for to, to get attention, to get in front of the demographic that they want to sell to, and this will drive the, the CPMs higher. So we're going to have more of that conversation with uh, Francesco Bascheri, who's the CEO of uh, Spreaker, on, on the show, probably in about uh, 10 minutes or so. Stay listening for that. Joining me on the show is Mr. Alex XM, who's the host of the XM Experience podcast on Spreaker. We stream this show live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern from SpreakerLiveShow.com. But Alex, welcome to the show show again. Happy 100, Rob. Thanks for having me along uh, for the ride in the 100th episode. It's a quite a monumental accomplishment, Rob. So uh, congratulations. I'm patting you on the back here from Long Beach, California. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, you've been along that, that journey and ride too. And it's uh, congratulations to you too. You stuck it out. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Well, we talk about pod fading, right? A hundred is a pretty big accomplishment. I think most people should be proud of a hundred episodes under your belt. Once you've hit this level, you're probably uh, through most of the bumps and trials and tribulations of your show. And, and hopefully you'll be able to write it out to 200 and 300, which is, yeah. you know, uh, oftentimes uh, the case with shows that make it this unless you have some of the technical issues we have from time to time like uh mic issues or blown up computers like i had a couple weeks ago so yeah aside from the technical issues right yeah we've it's kind of a a smooth running machine yeah i mean it happens with every every show and you just adjust and and if uh, if if Alex, if you have a broken computer, you just don't do the show that week, <laughs> <laughs> or a mic, or or a bad internet, or whatever it is. I've you know, there's been times where I was going to broadcast and that I was uh, in a terrible spot for internet in the country of Connecticut, and 
up in the countryside. I don't yeah. remember that one. So, I mean, this stuff happens, you know, but 100, it's, it's a, quite an accomplishment. So to kind of summarize what, what the experience has been o- over that 100 shows, it's been quite a ride because uh, there's been a lot of kind of variation. I've done this show live from podcasting conferences. I've done this show yeah. from various parts of the U.S. I mean, it hasn't been just in my office uh, on Skype. Uh, it's been actually out in the real world, you know, from Atlanta to Washington, D.C. to, to uh, you know, cities all over the country to Chicago. This show has traveled and gotten in front of a lot of fascinating people that are involved in the podcasting space, too. I'm not doing as many conversations with other people from the podcasting space, but I, I'm certainly going to do that more this coming year uh, at like podcast events like Podcast Movement and PodFest down in Orlando, which is coming up here in the next uh, next couple of weeks. So there's going to be a couple of episodes coming out of there. So really, this show is is really kind of follows me and my path through through podcasting and working with Spreaker and. And it's been uh, it's been a gr- great experience. It kind of started if you go back to the first show or the first version of this. It was a quite quite a different show. It had a completely different host. I was just a co-host on that. It was done in partnership with a, a podcaster out of Florida. Basically, eventually, I just took it back and actually did the show myself. And it seems who who was that, Rob? Who who was doing it originally? Go back. To okay, the I can original go and- show. Okay. Here, let me. Uh, I'll pull it up. Well, you, know, you can leave it a mystery. I don't know. I just, yeah, but I was yeah. curious. Well, I don't know because you know I, I'm thinking like, wow. I thought you know who else? I'm trying to think. Were they at Spreaker? It was obviously a Spreaker. Back in the early days of the show, I mean, it was a project that was put together by kind of more of a group, the Spreaker marketing team, and it wasn't okay. focused on a show that was centered around me hosting it. You know, it was more of a wide range kind of program for the company. Mm-hmm. What it w- wound up happening was is that the company that we hired to actually help us with it just wasn't able to to consistently produce it in a way that everybody was happy with. So and then gotcha. And then it so they got up, fired. Fired. I guess. <laughs> Sorry, you know how it's a good. I like it's a good. It, yeah, I like to put in common parlance. And there's a little hesitation on my part to to share who that was and all that kind of stuff. Sure, so, no problem. And, and but it yeah, was, people, yeah. yeah and, and so how it turned out was, you know, why not just keep it under the umbrella of the show, it's of the company itself, and and that I would host it, and it would be a lot less expensive. It'd be cheaper. It, I have the connection with the podcasting community, and I can bring in a lot of terrific guests onto the show and get out into conferences and that's kind of what we've done with this show i mean it's it's been a a show that's uh yeah Uh, exactly history history a fun journey yes interesting a lot about this whole outfit i wasn't told when i signed up here interesting no no. (laughs) podcasting will take you on a a interesting journey through variety of co-hosts and different scenarios and different recording situations i mean i mean 100 episodes uh, th- that's that's a couple of years, you know, of of weekly episodes. I did at times, you know, four to five shows in one day. So th- oh, there was, for love of Pete, there was times where I did uh, shows. I think I did uh, four shows, eight shows in one day. I I, I think from podcast movement. Um, so I would just have like guests that would just come in back to back, you know, and I would do it live. Uh, I've heard that. I remember yeah. you, I, I've heard you do that. I remember thinking you had incredible stamina. And I was like, wait a second. He's he's live because I kept checking. You know, I checked back in 
And I thought maybe, oh, okay, is he running a feed or is he like just, you know, what, what? no, but you were, cause it was always someone different. You were talking about something that just happened. I was like, oh my God, this guy's got stamina. I remember that, Rob. I forget. That was like a year ago, maybe, maybe two well, years I've ago. Been, I remember. I've been doing it at a lot of the, more specifically podcast movement. I've done it um, where, where I would do That's like where I heard it. two days heard it. for like two hours a day. Uh, yes. And it would be like four guests. Uh, and I would try and make each one of those a separate episode. So if you go back and li- listen to the archives of the show, you can find those in there. And I talk with some really connected people in the podcasting space that have been around a long time. I, I really get into the weeds with these guys because I have known these people for a very long time and I know where all the, the bodies are buried. No, just kidding. <laughs> so we had, That's why <laughs> yeah, so we have fun on there. There's a couple of you know shows that we were really more joking around than entirely serious. So there's a few of those in there. If you go and go back and listen to the episode with Rob Sesternino, who does a kind of like a reality TV podcasting network down in Los Angeles, and and so he and I have a kind of I a heard fun that. kind yeah. of kind of a personality rapport between ourselves. So so I anyway. That's a little bit of a history of this show, and and if you go back and listen to the archives, it's all right there, you know. Interesting, which is cool. interesting. Which is kind of cool. Before we move on and talk, you know, with Francesco, I wanted to cover a couple couple more things. Uh, Spreaker does have a blog at uh, blog.spreaker.com, and and right now there's a terrific article up there uh, called "What's the Hardest Thing to Teach About Podcasting?" It's a conversation that's uh, been converted into a written article uh, with Colin Gray, who's a podcast trainer and host. So he works with a lot of new podcasters to get them up to speed. And And I thought it was an interesting question to pose and for him to answer. And, and I just pulled out one nugget from it just for us maybe to talk about for a couple minutes here. One of the key things that he thinks is the the hardest thing to teach, you know, uh, podcasting to somebody that's new is that the the clients typically and want to spend more time at the beginning of the process talking about microphones and mixers and don't really want to talk about content. And so his thought is, and I tend to agree with it, um, I've fallen in that trap before too, but uh, you should probably spend 50 minutes talking about the content and 10 minutes talking about the microphones and mixers. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's It's just the opposite of what most people do, but People get in this mind, well, I can't do a podcast unless I have a microphone and a way to record it. Um, but maybe you should think about what you're going to do on the microphone and in your podcast before you invest in microphones and mixers. I read that article or that interview rather, and it was great because I, I remember thinking the exact same thing. So many people get what you've probably heard before, analysis paralysis, where all they do is look up mixers and microphones and what's the best hosting company and yada, 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 shish, boom, ba, and they never actually do a flipping show, Rob. And I, I know a lot of people who have p- yeah. been planning. I, I, I'm i not going to – I think I mentioned this on a previous show, so no names, but I know someone – they had a blog that I followed about a topic I kind of like and they did a Kickstarter – Rob, a Kickstarter campaign to raise funds for the podcast – and I haven't checked back this year, but I remember like they did it in six months later. They didn't even have the podcast. And they had a million excuses why. And yeah. the Kickstarter money was for I mean, he needed a nice mixer. He needed this. He needed that. He didn't do show one. And I'm just like, dude, everybody right now has a podcasting machine in their pocket. It's called oh, yeah. their phone. Yeah. Right? right. And if you don't have the Spreaker apps, 
You don't even, I mean, you, you technically can use the recording device and it'll sound just as great. You could use the Spreaker app if you're, you know, hooked up with Spreaker like all of us are. And it's a no brainer, right? Because the microphone on your phone is going to sound so much better than a, a lot of people's phones. I mean, excuse me, microphone laptops, right? Or their desktop. So what I'm getting at is like the technology is there. If you, you don't have to spend all this money, eventually you will. I mean, we all get into the trap where we want a better microphone. We want a mixer, blah, blah, blah. I get it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he's right. That's what I liked about Colin. I'm like, oh my God, I was like that. I, Rob, even I did it. I mean, I was, when it, before I really said, I'm going to do this, you know, I want to, I want to try and make something out of this and make some money. I, do you know how much time I spent researching stuff? And you get in the weeds. Oh, yeah. you, you get bad advice. You know, people tell you need to buy expensive stuff and you don't. Uh, you know, so anyway. So I, yeah, I, I really like that this, article. I just had the same conversation uh, with a new person that's looking to start a podcast. And I just told them flat out. And, and every time I tell people this, they, they just are flabbergasted. I, I say, you probably only have to spend a couple hundred bucks to get started. You don't, yeah. you don't need a bunch of fancy equipment. Just go out and get this microphone. It plugs into your tablet or your laptop. Um, and you're pretty much good to go. Uh, don't don't go out and spend a bunch of money on fancy mixers and and pop filters and and compressors and all sorts of stuff because uh, you don't know if you're going to be doing this uh, much beyond seven to ten episodes because that's usually how where most people pod fade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you might want to yeah. keep your investment light and really think about what content you produce and th- that will dictate to you how much investment that you make in the long run. Yeah, I agree. It's like anything, right? Like anyone who gets all of a sudden they're into for – the moment golf, right? Their buddies get them involved, you know, Oh, I'm going to start, I'm going to take up golf, right? And they buy expensive clubs and then the, the gear, the clothes, the hats, and they barely ever dust off the, the golf clubs, right? Or they buy a bike. I, I'm going to get fit this year. That's my new year. Then they never ride the bike. The bike sits in the garage for, you know, you know, 12 months out of the year. So, you know, it's the same type of thing, but there's, I know people who bought tons of equipment. I said, I haven't done one show, Rob, yeah. beautiful equipment. But stuff they feel I wish like I a podcaster though, because they have all this equipment. I mean, if they're, <laughs> They walk into their office and they see a fancy microphone and a mixer, then they feel like they're a podcaster, but whether or not they actually produce anything is a whole other question, right? Yeah, so, well, the, the, but that's yeah. the good news. Like what you had mentioned, you can grow, right? You can start small, start with your phone. Yeah. You want a better mic, you can get that and get the mixer. So I, I know you have like a multi-million dollar studio up there oh, yeah. in Seattle totally. that would make totally. us all drool. Yeah, but, you, yeah. Know, you, don't, you don't need that to start off, right, Rob? And most of the time, I just use a eighty dollar you know, ATR 21 microphone and I plug it into my, my, my surface tablet and do all this with the Spreaker studio desktop software. And it's all, I spent a whole 80 bucks. Uh, How do you, is it a, but is it a XLR or is it a USB mic? It's actually has both. It has both capabilities. Oh, wow. It's got both cool. jacks at the end of the microphone. There uh, you go. That, that's the microphone I'm using right now. Sounds so, great. Uh, it's really inexpensive and easy to use. It's portable. You can take it wherever you go. And I, I advise that to a lot of people. This setup will work in your home office. It'll work in your clothes closet if you want to record in there. Um, <laughs> it'll it'll work in a hotel room somewhere if you want to do a show while you're traveling. So um, there's no excuse why you can't do a show every week. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, you could. Yeah. And just so you know, too, Rob, because I think we talked about mics before my mic, I just saw yesterday. It's the blue spark microphone, right? It's on sale right now for 119 bucks. I've never seen it that low. And I don't know if that's permanent or what, but it's everywhere. Like I saw it on Guitar Center, American Music Supply. 
so anyway, I'm just saying, you know, it, it, like you were saying, you spent 80 bucks, 119 bucks, whatever, you can get a decent mic. Yeah, it's it's not a lot of money, but you no, you'll get. Not. But you can also get suckered in. By the way, if you go to some of those websites like Guitar Center, they'll say, "Oh, we've got a podcasting package, right?" Oh, and God. so you've seen this before, Four, and it's, it's only four ninety nine. Exactly. And it's a crap mic. It's a mixer you'll never use with all these bells and whistles. And they said all, you know, sometimes they'll even sell you one of the, they're completely useless folks. One of those shields that you put behind it, you know, that they want to sell you for 80 bucks or something. It, it looks almost like a, just a, a buffer. It's got some foam on one side and it's like a metal shield, right? Those yeah. things do nothing. They don't work at all. They're, they're total crap. So, and they'll, they'll rip people off and you're going to spend 500 bucks where if you got it, you know, piecemeal on Amazon, you'd spend 150 bucks. You know? Yeah. So, Anyway. Yeah, I mean that's about right. I mean I think if you all the cables and headphones, mic stand, yeah, mic stands, and you know if you want to get a, you know, an arm or something like that for your microphone in your office, which um, I kind of advise people to probably look into getting, you know, like a boom arm, that kind of thing, so you can have it right in front of you, and then when you're done recording, you just push it off to the side, and so you pull it in and push it back, when, you know, when you need it, which is a I need one of those. Yeah, which is really, really great. And it produces better sounding audio, too, because it holds the mic in the right position on your face. And you can move it, and it's not going to cause um, sound to your microphone. Most of the, the regular desktop mic stands, uh, if you move them around, will create some noise. So you need to get... These are all kind of like more advanced things. You really don't need that to get started with. But but anyway... I we'll need because I constantly pound my desk yeah, when I, mean, I do well, it shows. And I, I mean, it, Alex, I you're doing a mic. show every every week and maybe multiple times a week. So it would definitely make sense for you to have something. Because then you just pull it in and push it out, pull it in, push it out. Um, and it's right there, right in front of you where you need it. I've got the desktop stand that's got a massive weight at the bottom. You know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. And, the, and it's got some like kind of little buffers on the bottom where you can slide it so it doesn't scratch up the, my wood desktop too much. Yeah. I have this huge secondary desk with my laptop, my monitor, my mixer, everything. But it's a little cumbersome. I wish I had something I could just get the hell out of the way. You know what I mean? When I don't need it. And because I end up picking it up and moving it across the room if I have to. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to invest. What are, what are those costs, Rob? I, they, they, prices are all over the map on what the. The whole boom arm thing. They're actually, they're pretty inexpensive these days. Um, the I can get them for like 40 or 50 bucks. Oh, that's um, not bad. Okay. Yeah. There's a variety of different quality levels. So yeah, that's what definitely will look in the feedback and the, the reviews on like Amazon or something like that. Before I mean, you could spend hundreds of dollars on those that I've seen, but I'm not, you know, it's, that's, I think for a radio station where it's going to get tons and tons of use. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. I'm all over the place with you today. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, so I wanted to mention also this show can be heard in Spreaker Live Show apps on iOS and Android. So we have our own apps for this show, and you can get the live show in those apps as well. So then all the archives are right there. So go check that out in iOS and Android's app stores for the Spreaker Live Show app. Spreaker also has a couple of podcast radio listening apps that have tens of thousands of uh, podcasts and shows on there. Some of the biggest podcasts on the internet are in, in those apps. So you can actually make that your total podcast catcher software podcast listening in Android and iOS. Now, the show's obviously in iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play Music. Um, so you can catch the show in all the major platforms. Uh, you can reach me, Rob, at Spreaker.com. And I have a Twitter account, at Rob Greenlee, and that's with two E's, and Alex. I'm yeah, I'm at Alex at AlexXM.com and Twitter at AlexXM. Okay. 
Wanted to jump into listener comment. So we have one that I wanted to cover this week uh, before we jump into the conversation with uh, Francesco on the 100th episode of the Speaker Live Show. Linda Irwin, who's a regular commenter and feedback giver. Uh, we appreciate it so much, Linda. Thank you so much. She comments in here that the about the web console for Spreaker, which uh, we have kind of pushed aside to some degree, but it's still a live tool that we have on the platform. But we did kind of replace it with the uh, Spreaker Studio for desktop software. Um, but she asks, basically, can that web console, which is available in the in our browser today, be made like an app? Can you add a second microphone channel using the VB cables that can also bring in someone from Skype? So she was wanting to use Skype in the web console, which we have not really done any additional development on. I guess she normally uses the Studio Desktop app, which is what I'm using right now to do this show. I'm not quite sure why she needs to use the web console. Uh, that's a question that, I, Linda, I want to pose to you. Are you uh, only able to, to do a certain recording or something that you're doing on somebody else's computer and you don't want to install the, the Desktop Studio app? Um, Alex, what do you think she's, why she might be interested in trying to use the web console with the VB cables and Skype capability? The only thing I can think of, yeah, sure, Rob. The only thing I can think of, I was wondering the same thing myself, is she may be going to be at a location where she's not going to have her laptop and she wants to log into her account at someone's house or remote location. I mean, that makes sense. I haven't, I'll be, I got to be honest with you. I haven't logged into the web console in a while. So I, 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 totally forgot that you can't even use the Skype. My first reaction was, why aren't you using Spreaker Studio, right? Because it's so much yeah. better. Well, but, she um, does use it, and that's what's right, no, surprising right. here. So there must be some reason why she's using or wanting to use the web console over and, and above could, the desktop app. Yeah, and it could be a variety of reasons we're not even thinking of right now, right? Just some sort of remote access type thing. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, can you, I don't think that they were, they're not going to They've kind of stopped, as you said, developing on that. So they're not going to add. The, I doubt they no, would ever uh, add that, right? So I don't. Yeah. I I know for a fact, Linda, if you're going to try and use Skype with the web console, just forget it. I tried almost every single way. There was a way that people had fixed out, but the, you know, figured out with I think it was the VB cable, a latency problem, and I could never get it to work to my satisfaction. I don't know if you remember that, Rob, like everybody was clamoring for it. So that's why, you know, it it was such a huge deal in the studio. So I I think the answer is no, unfortunately, Linda, you're not going to be able to do it, but I, I, there's, there's probably, I mean, I would even just use a phone, right, Rob? I mean, you could use the phone if she's got an iPhone or a, if she, if she can't use the desk. I mean, that's probably the easiest, just get a splitter and run it through your phone. And you should be able to get it into your computer. Well, and here's another thing, Rob, that I've been fooling around with. And it's kind of a workaround. It's not ideal, Linda. But this is – I have one of these uh, Bluetooth speakers. You can get them inexpensively. But I have a turtle shell, which is actually pretty loud. I mean this thing is – they pride themselves on being loud. The point being I can hook this up either through Bluetooth or through the jack to my phone. So if I want to do a phone interview or something and I, it, as a backup, I've had to use it. It actually sounds really good. So now I, I kind of like, that's what I'm going to use in the future if I'm remote, but you can use that just to, if you're using, you know, your microphone, if you have a decent microphone, obviously, um, and maybe use a Bluetooth speaker to pick up the other person, you know, and you put that a little closer to the mic than you are. And it sounds pretty good. I mean, you could experiment with stuff like that because, uh, yeah, you're going to have a problem with Skype 
on the the web console. But oh, like yeah. Rob said, yeah, they're, if, they're, if they're not, if which I can imagine, I haven't looked at it yet. But if it still has even the same layout, um, which I'm sure it has, it was kind of I don't want to say clunky. It worked, but it just it yeah. seems it, it seems like so long ago, right, Rob? I'm so used to Spreaker. Yeah, I mean, it's an old it's an old tool that the yeah. that the team just doesn't work on anymore. Um, and it's I'd be surprised if people use it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've moved on to the the studio client, and so that's been where we've been putting all of our all, all of our resources and development effort is trying to make that as capable as possible. Uh, but Linda, I'm really curious now on why you want to do that. So I want to know the application. Yeah, exactly. The, we the, both the reason. like, hmm, <laughs> what is she thinking yeah, that curious. we're not thinking? It's a challenge to our podcasting <laughs> intellect, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I'm so, curious. Thanks, well, Alex, um, I'm going to play a pre-recorded version of my conversation with Francesco. So uh, I, well, great. I appreciate you joining me on the show again this week. Thanks, Alex. And, Thank you, uh, sir. And we'll be back next week. And so up next is uh, my conversation with Spreaker CEO, Francesco Bascieri. Uh And he's going to talk about uh, Spreaker's monetization tools and what's next in the next uh, 12 months for those tools, as well as the, the CMS system that the, the company has been working on, as he does kind of a, kind of a check-in on this kind of stuff and helps uh, all of our hosts kind of get a glimpse into what's coming here in the next uh, 12 months. So let's, uh, let's get to that conversation right now. Well, I'm joined right now Rob, by Francesco Bascieri, who's the CEO of Spreaker. He's joining me on a on a call on Skype. Uh, welcome, Francesco. Thanks for joining me on the Spreaker Live Show. Hello, Rob. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, it's great to always you know have you on. You're always a a listener favorite. I always get these these comments saying, "Get Francesco back on to talk about what's going on," <laughs> you know, with Spreaker. So, and and I know I think you've been on the show like maybe three or four times. So, uh, so. I think this is the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. I think, you know, a, a regular cadence of it, I know we're on totally different schedules, different time zones, I, I might say. So it does make it a little challenging to get some, some time. You know, I know you're busy. You're trying to run a tech company from Europe. And, and so anyway, well, let's jump into it. I thought maybe we would talk about the new Spreaker revenue sharing program, the, the monetization platform that we just rolled out to support uh, audio creators on the Spreaker platform. It basically just does a ad sharing type of relationship and and really makes a, a fairly simple and straightforward way for any audio creator to kind of start making some revenue from the show. But Francesca, let's talk about it, you know, in a little bit of a bigger picture and what your vision of this tool was, what you thought you were trying to accomplish. And, and then uh, we can also talk about kind of where it's going. Okay, well, thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, I'm very excited about the direction that the company is taking, and this tool is the first step. Uh, to clarify, we're still in the beta phase, and we expect this beta phase to uh, continue for a while during 2017. We will announce that we're getting out of beta when we think that the first important set of features are actually uh, deployed and available for the majority of our hosts. So right now, the, the program is very simple, allows you to opt into a program. And if you opt in, uh, every time a listener um, li listens or access to one of your shows, uh, we are going to play or actually to ask one of the ad exchanges that we work with if they have a specific piece of advertising for the listener. 
if the, no advertising is available, the show will play as usual, as usual. But if some ad is available, it will be a pre-roll, maximum 30 seconds that will be played before the show. will track the impression and share the revenue, uh, I think, is two-thirds to the content producer, so to you too as a host, as a publisher, and one-third to speaker to cover for cost and, of course, a little bit of margin. The idea is um, that this is to become one of the, the components of uh, – a much bigger system that we want to deploy during 2017 and also during 2018. The idea here, the big picture, is that you, as a content producer, as a publisher, should have available all the tools that the biggest publishers in the space are using, so dynamic ad insertion, the ability to traffic your own content, even your own uh, host reads, uh, so if you want, for example, to avoid stale ads or to target different markets with different reads, you uh, would be able to do that and will give you the ability to do so. But since you're already defining slots for spots, what we call ad insertion points, whether they are pre-roll, post-rolls or mid-rolls, we also enable you to basically sell or monetize these spots if you don't have your own reads by accessing uh, what are called ad exchanges. So ad exchanges are basically companies that create these marketplace, these anonymous, anonymous marketplaces that are connected with advertising agencies where agencies do not buy into a specific show, but they buy a demography. And we're able to tap into that and we want to get uh, give this revenue to our publishers available to them as, as a further way to monetize. Uh, I don't know if I made myself clear. There's a, It's a super complicated space, but uh, I think the bottom line is uh, we'll be giving you, as a publisher, all the tools that the big guys have to monetize, and I think this is really the, the, the part that excites me most. You'll have the, something that is available only to companies that made have made huge investment in the space, even if you are an indie producer. That's our goal. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Um, I mean, if you think about the the scope of Spreaker and what Spreaker is capable of doing right now, and then you add that component onto it, there really is not going to be anything like it in the space. I mean, I, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be amazing to be able to to give these kind of tools, these powerful tools, to the smallest publishers uh, as well as the biggest biggest podcasters, you know, and online audio creators in the space. Uh, you know, to kind of um, level the playing field because it has been kind of this, you know, certain platforms with certain shows get get this capability and other shows kind of kind of get left out from this kind of capability. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, scale is important. Um, what's your kind of thoughts on how this works at, at at small scale and large scale from a listener numbers perspective? Uh, well, I really think that. Of course, the larger the scale, uh, the more you're likely to be able to unlock uh, potential for bigger revenue moving uh, on top of the pyramid. It's kind of a food chain, right? Uh, Digital advertising uh, usually works like this. Uh, There's a subset of your content, of, of the impression, basically the listens that people do to your content that are sold as premium impressions. This is usually sold uh, with direct relationship between you and an advertiser or sponsor. And that usually constitutes the bulk of your revenue. It's like this for bigger show. It's going to be like this for smaller shows as well. And uh, 
of course, what's left out, what's not bought from this process is usually called uh, remnant inventory. Mm-hmm. And all these techniques uh, have been traditionally used to fill remnant inventory. Uh, now, the caveat is that remnant inventory sells at usually at a much lower price than premium inventory. Uh, but what's called uh, programmatic ad buying, basically it's the capacity, uh, to make it very simple, the capacity for advertisers to target into demographics, so a gender uh, interest of people, instead of targeting specific show, is progressively changing the prices at which these spots uh, are sold. So I really think that uh, at the end of the day, probably within a, a reasonable amount of time, a couple of years, the price gap between uh, premium inventory, so direct relationship with the agencies and the advertisers, that's something that only the big shows are able to access today. The, the, the price at which you can sell these kind of programmatic spots will converge. There will be a difference, but the, differ- the, the chasm will be smaller than today. And of course, if you have more listeners, you will do more money, but there's not going to be a huge gap uh, in the way you are able to access some resources that basically have a barrier and today you're not able to access to. I don't know if I made myself clear. It's, uh, it's tough to explain it uh, in a short podcast, uh, but I mean, uh, that, that's how we see it. It's, it's just going to be uh, a matter of scale, of scale. If you do 100 plays today, you'll get, I don't know, uh, X amount of dollars. If you do 1,000, you're going to get 10 times more. Uh, today, it's not like this. Uh, today, if you do 100, you get nothing. If you do 1,000, you get everything, right? It's There's a barrier. It's, there's an on-off point. What well, we're working uh, to destroy this barrier and to allow indie podcasters to uh, make the, a fair amount of money that uh, resonates and is comparable to the amount of audience that they have. So I'm hoping that the goal will be that CPMs will somehow stay higher as we move into this new technology and these new capabilities of being able to add advertisements to more shows. The technology will enable better targeting and to also um, keep those CPMs higher. So Francesco, do you see that as a possibility that uh, CPMs will actually be driven potentially higher? Or do you think that we're going to see kind of the, the settling out at maybe a lower overall CPM? And that, that's a cost per thousand on how many listeners that you have to your show, and that translates into how much money you, you can make with your podcast. So, yeah, so how do you see this well, evolving? Well, probably in the short term, short to medium term, we are going to see a, a decrease of the CPMs uh, as more advertisers get into this market and more shows and uh, there's not precise capability of targeting the message. But all the technology that allows advertisers to better target their message and not waste their money basically promoting their products or services to people who are not likely to buy them is going to increase the CPM. Today, if you want to advertise on a, on a show, you just you get a generic demographic of the, of the people listening to the show, but you already know that only a fraction of those people are interested in your product, maybe because they live in a different market. Um, for instance, even the top shows in the U.S. are listened to by people who live in Europe, and uh, some of these products or services are not available in Europe, right? And uh, this can go down to the granular scale, even to local markets. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that technology and the 
ability to target the listeners with their demographic profile, geography, and, and all this kind of information mm-hmm. is going to drive the CPMs higher. At the end of the day, uh, this is probably going to get some of the money that today goes into local radio as well. And the, the great thing about local radio uh, on an advertiser perspective is that it's local, that if you want to promote a specific business in this market, you just go to the station and you know that they are not wasting your money advertising a product to somebody who's on the other side of on the other, the other side of the country, right? I, I really think that in the in the long term, we'll see uh, an increase in advertising CPMs all over the digital um, ecosystem, but yeah. in particular in podcasting when it comes to programmatic. Maybe in the short term, we'll see some kind of downward trend, not for the programmatic ads, but probably more for the live read ads because there is a lot of inflation today and there is still not a lot of clarity uh, on how you measure uh, numbers. So it's hard, it's tough to compute re- return on investment if you work with different shows and different providers, which is inevitable if you want to have scale. I mean, you, you have talked about this plenty of times in your, in your show. This doesn't necessarily concern what we're doing at Spreaker it's probably uh, something that's going to happen in the market as a whole but I'm, yeah. I'm bullish I'm positive that technology is just going to drive the CPMs higher I mean it is a really fascinating area the whole thing of local geographically targeted ads but also that's also going to potentially unlock uh, th- this whole other area of content that's more geo focused as well so you can kind of see the monetization engines kind of like riding along with what the market opportunities and maybe driving some increased market opportunities for audio content just like local radio has done for decades is provide local content but there, there just has not been the the scale and the monetization capability for the digital side of audio to be as effective in local smaller markets. And so this could be this this kind of magic magic inflection point that makes all that possible as well because that's been the key that radio's been looking for for a long time is how to unlock those lo- local markets with local podcasts. It's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds and it sounds like Spreaker is going to be at the forefront of it. So I oh, would definitely want to be there. Yeah. yeah. Spreaker is going to have a terrific solution here that will really kind of un- unlock that potential. So, but before I let you go, Francesca, I, I wanted to also get um, all the listeners up to speed on what's happening with the Spreaker CMS system that uh, the company's mm-hmm. been working on for the last uh, year or so and <laughs> yeah. kind of give an update on kind of where we're at and where you see 2017 taking us with the CMS system. So the, the background is that the reason why we uh, developed the CMS system is surely to streamline the whole production process but the real reason is that we wanted to create new feature into the system like for instance this new advertising system and we, we had a hard time doing this in the old system that we had developed for Spreaker so we, we decided to create this new CMS that as a first thing needs to basically replicate all the functionalities that we had here and there in the interface we do not like uh, doing things twice but we have to this time. So what's happening is that one piece at a time, we're porting all the existing configuration options from one front end to the next generation front end. And at the same time, we're making them slightly better. And the next uh, iteration is going to be our analytics system, basically the stats for the, the downloads uh, that are, are going to uh, get into production, I think, next week. Uh, we don't know the day yet. Probably mid-next week we'll basically open them for everybody. And uh, the system is much more flexible than the one we have today. Um, allows you a lot more freedom in defining the intervals that you want to analyze 
is way faster and reactive. Uh, of course, we've seen it already in our beta environment and staging, and it works great. So I'm I'm very excited to announcing this on, on your show, Rob. And next week, everybody will be able to see it. Uh, next steps, of course, at the same time, we'll, we'll be finishing all this, porting all the editing stuff from one side to the other, and at the same time, uh, developing new features that uh, will have a, a home in the new CMS. I'm really exciting to see this come together. You're exactly correct. It's kind of unlocking some extra features that Spreaker can be added to the platform to have this new CMS system, but it's also about consolidating past features and functions and settings into one consolidated area that will create, I think, more of a publishing tool set that, you know, more in keeping with the direction that the company is going towards of really trying to to offer all the capabilities that any level of podcast platform would offer, uh-huh. you know, and have it all in one place and have it all be... Um, simple to use and i know that the the development team at spreaker does a fantastic job of uh, you know user experience as, as well as tr- trying to make the process as simple and easy as possible and uh, I think it's, you, you're part of that you've seen how, how we work right uh, yeah it takes uh, it takes a long time to discuss a feature before we start implementing it yeah. we send mocks uh, back and forth we open this process to everybody i mean there's no clear rule or, or or definition how the process the process should work our designer sends the mocks to everybody and everybody can comment and give their input and then we try and iterate uh, but at the end of the day what goes into production is something that has been thought uh, thoroughly uh, with our first goal in mind that it needs to be easy to under, understand how it works. Sometimes we're successful, sometimes less successful in making things easy to understand. Uh, but I really think that the, the key here is iterating. So if we're not successful, it means that we can improve the design and uh, the, the, the following iteration will are going to improve the design. I'm constantly hearing praise from speaker users about how, how easy it is to, to use the tools and, and how attractive the actual site and the design is, and it's uh, all a testament to the team. You also have some exciting news that you're going to be moving to the U.S., more on the ground in the U.S., and I think that's a huge... Now, granted, you've been in the U.S. before. This isn't the first time you've done it, so you've kind of bounced back and forth from Europe and then back to the U.S., but you're moving to New York. It's awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, the timing is different. Things have changed. Uh, I lived in, um, in California, San Francisco, a little bit longer than a year in the early days of Spreaker. The idea was that I wanted to get into the network of the tech companies, but, and, I mean, a lot of time has passed since then, and now we really think that it's time to, for me, to move back to the United States and uh, the place we have chosen as New York City because we have evolved now we are a more mature company and we really want to be in the place where uh, the media industry is in the US and uh, you see there there's media companies advertising companies and my goal is to start developing relationship finding uh, new partners and uh, basically better promoting our business by being there it's just me uh, well, you, of course, you're already based in the U.S., but it's going to be the people who are currently based in Europe, just me moving full time to the United States. But we want to grow. And this is, I'm going to be the beachhead. It's safe to say we have the coasts covered. So I'm out on the West <laughs> yeah. Coast. You're on the East Coast. So and there everything is a gap in between, in between uh, that I don't know if we have to cover as much, but I think uh, it's an interesting question, though. 
<laughs> What's the distance? Like 3,000 miles? Yeah, it's about that. About, yeah, yeah. 2,500 so miles. 1500, yeah, yeah. I'll get 1,500 on the, on the right side and you get the 1,500 on the left side. Yeah, there you go. We can go, <laughs> we can go halfway in, right? Yeah. That's exciting news. It's uh, going to be great to have you a little closer. It's going to be three there. So three hours. That's a big it's difference. Going to be super easy. Exactly. Well, Francesco, it was great to have you on the Speaker Live show again. Thank you for taking some time out, sharing your thoughts about the direction of the company, and we'll keep doing that on a regular basis. Okay. Thank you for having me in this milestone episode, Rob. And listeners can can find you on Twitter. You have a Twitter account, right? Yes, I do. Uh, it's uh, the Basque T H E B A S K, or they can find me on Spreaker, or where else can, can they find me? I will say Twitter and Spreaker. Enough. I, I'm not a super uh, active Twitter user, but I check it regularly and I get back to people. Uh, you would not, say, see me tweeting many times a week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I kind of pace myself as well, Francesco, so don't, uh, don't okay. worry about it too much. I think there's a little bit of concern about flooding too much content out there on the social networks. I think you have to keep it at a modest pace. Because people can't keep up with it all. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, thanks, Francesco, and we'll have you on here again in the future. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you, Rob. Well, that was my conversation with uh, Francesco Bascheri, who's the CEO of Spreaker. I want to thank you for listening um, this far into the show today. I appreciate it, and thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been an exciting episode, getting up to episode 100. Definitely leave a comment and a question if you have any thoughts on the show. Uh, share it with us. Uh, you can certainly send me an email, rob at spreaker.com. And you can certainly reach me on Twitter as well, at Rob Greenlee. And, uh, appreciate it. And uh, check back with us next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern for another edition of the Spreaker Live Show. 